Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Good evening and welcome. You may have your seats. I am excited to get to be with you guys this evening and glad that you came out on Memorial Weekend to get to hang out and worship Jesus together. Well, we're in a series called uh, Asking for a Friend, and people have submitted all sorts of questions, and you guys submitted some really good questions surrounding the devil. And uh, some of you guys are are here because you heard that that's what we're talking about, but uh, You guys ask questions about the devil. Is he real? Are demons real? Can a Christian have a demon? Why why is there a devil? Why did he rebel against God? All sorts of great questions. I'm going to answer as many as I can in a reasonable amount of time. I will not answer all questions because you don't want to be here forever. So with that, uh, it is actually really, really good questions and it's really important to know. You may have heard the Chinese proverb, or at least a fragment of it, that says, uh, to know your enemy. The general Sun Tzu says, know thy enemy, know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. And it's actually good advice. Know your enemy. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, that he should outwit us. So the Bible tells us that we should know. We should know who our enemy is. We should know that we have an enemy. So who is he? Revelation chapter 12, verse 19 calls him the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Talks about how he was thrown down. And in verse 10, it says he is the accuser of our brothers. That he has been thrown down. And I I mentioned that he's been thrown down because it's really important to know that he's your enemy and that he has been defeated. In fact, the word devil and the word Satan actually mean your adversary. Your adversary or one who accuses you. And as I started looking at this, I'm like, you know, I think a lot of our world has the wrong picture of the devil. They're like, who is he? And they're like, Red, horns, trident, or pitchfork. And they're like, this is, this is the devil. And some of them have this like glorious image of this great, powerful uh, horned being. Some of them want to completely deny his existence. I was reading an article this week about a Satanist who was or is working with Target and when they were interviewing this, this Satanist who's putting out these different uh, stuff that Target is selling, he goes, uh, Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. He's merely used as a symbol of passion, pride, and liberty. And I, I read that, I'm like, you have no idea. You are worshiping something, thinking it is the opposite of what it is. 
you are so deceived, which makes sense because the Bible says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. It goes through and says that he deceives the nations. In Revelation, actually it comes up three times in Revelation. Over and over we get this and you go, well, well why? And, and does it matter? And it, it does because if, if you don't know that he's there, um, you are easy to deceive, you are easy to trick, and you will blame somebody. And constantly God gets the blame for things that the devil does. Uh, does I don't know if any, we have any practical jokers here. Do we have any practical jokers? People who like to play jokes on people? Okay, so in high school, I liked to mess with people. And so... Uh, I was on staff here on facilities, so I cleaned things uh, for a living, and I say for a living, my parents provided my living. I cleaned things so that I could get paid so I could do fun stuff, so, and to save for a house. So anyways, I was cleaning things, but I was always in the nursery wing way before the nursery staff because we started early. And I used to mess with the ladies in the nursery all the time because I would be like cleaning one of the rooms and I would see them pull up and you're like, oh, now is the time. And then you just like step behind something and wait because you know they're coming in and they're like coming in, flicking on lights and then they come around the corner right past you and then you say, boo! And they just, bah! And they would freak out and I would laugh hysterically and, and then we, we, they'd try to get me back and then I would get them back. It was lots and lots of fun, but it's really easy to mess with someone who doesn't think you're there. What's even funnier is if there's a room with two people plus you, but they don't know that you're there. Because then, when you mess with somebody, they think it's the other person. And you can do all sorts of fun things, and then the other person gets blamed, and they're like, who took my, what, can you give it back? And they're like, I didn't take it. They're like, sure you did. And you can watch all sorts of interesting things occur when they think that they're the only one, or the only ones. Well, that's true, with the devil as well. Pastor Duane, in his book, 21 Things That the Devil Can't Do, he made a comment. He said, people who completely ignore the devil often wind up blaming God for the disastrous things they experience. And it's so true. Because they look around. In fact, this isn't even new. In the book of Job, Job starts listing off awful things. And he goes through, and he's like, and the earth is given into the hand of the wicked, and he covers the faces of the judges, if it's not he, who then is it? Job 9.24. He goes, I'm just going to blame God because if it's not him, then who is it? Then who is it? And that's where so many people, and, and they say things, they say awful and mean things because they look and they go, well, if not God, then who? And it's really important that we make room for the devil in our theology. You don't want to make room for him in your life, but you need to make room for him in your theology, in your thinking, and in your understanding. Because if you don't, then we become an easy target. But he, but he goes through, and he tries to get us to blame God. And people say things like, well, God must just be trying to teach you something through this horrible thing. And that they, they have all of these different sayings that make them feel better because they have something to say but they're not at all what the Bible teaches. 
And it's so important to recognize that we have an enemy, that the, the Bible calls him your adversary, the one who is against you. And somebody asked, well, where did he come from? And why did he rebel against God? So if you don't know this, Satan didn't start out evil, which is kind of weird because we just always like picture him, you know, with this red horns pitchfork and you picture this evil thing. Actually, he was called Lucifer and he was beautiful. In fact, many scholars think that he was the worship leader in heaven. As they, they read through Ezekiel 28 and it begins to describe him and says that he was the signet of all perfection, full of wisdom and beauty. And talks about all these different emeralds and jaspers and sapphires and pre- gold and precious things that were a part of him. It, it talks about um, instruments that were, that were part. And they go through, but it says in verse 17, your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground. In Isaiah 14, it talks about his I will statements. As he goes, I will ascend unto the throne. I will ascend unto high. I will be like the most high. What happened to Satan? He was wonderful. He was giving worship, and then he decided, I am wonderful. I should be getting the worship. I want the worship. And so you go, well, what, what, is the, what did that do? He came and said, well, then when he got kicked out of heaven, he has two main goals. He wants worshiped and he's mad. He's mad at God. But there is this, this lie. Uh, Pastor Duane calls it dark kingdom propaganda. There is this lie that you have like God and the devil these equal opposing forces, or like God is just a teeny bit stronger than the devil. And there are these opposing forces. It's yin and yang, and it's good and evil, and they're, they're, they're in this eternal struggle back and forth. Satan is not that cool. And we already read that he is defeated. He was already cast down. And he is mad that he can't just like attack God because he's not that powerful. So he goes, well, if I can't attack God and God loves people, I'll attack people. And I will try to get people to turn their backs on God because God loves them. And if I can get them to rebel against him, then that hurts him. And the Bible says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy because God loves you. His attack is against you. And he, when when Adam sinned, you go, well, where did he get all this power? When Adam sinned, God had given Adam dominion over the earth. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they took the authority that God had given them and they passed it over to Satan. And and you get this Satan who is your enemy, this thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10. In uh, Revelation 12, verse 12, 
It talks about how he came down in great wrath because he knows his time is short. In Revelation 12, 17, it, it's sharing about how he failed to stop God's plan. And he says, and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring and on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And, and you get him in this attack on you. I say, okay, so we, now we know we have an enemy. We know where he came from. But can a Christian have a demon? Uh, okay, so this, is, this gets into some fun. And there is some semantics that mess everybody up. Because you guys have probably heard um, be like demon possessed. And all, there's this different terminology where you get the picture like you have this person who has lost their free will that has been taken over by the demonic. But that's not the term that the Bible uses. And so uh, if, if we look in 1 John 3, 8, uh, I, was, I was reading this and then I read a note in the Passion Translation that really helped me with this. It says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The Passion Translation said, um, the section that says, but those who indulge in the sinful life is of the devil, it says, is operating under the influence of the devil. That is belonging to the devil, not to Christ. The biblical term that we would often use, someone who's uh, possessed by a demon or oppressed by a demon, there's a lot of different terms that we can use, but the Greek term is demonized. And what we're looking at is something that is under the influence of the devil. Now, Christians often have, have struggled because they're like, well, but i am been bought with a price. I am the Lord's if I am saved. And so, but being under the influence doesn't mean that something has taken over you. We use the term under the influence for when someone is intoxicated. Someone drinks a bunch of alcohol. They are now under the influence of alcohol. They did not cease to exist. They didn't even cease to become responsible for the choices that they make. The alcohol now may dullen their senses, remove their better judgment, and cause them to do things they wouldn't do. When I say cause them to do things, it may reduce their own self-control, which left them doing things they wouldn't have done otherwise. But I, I look at this and go, the alcohol did not jump into them and make them a new person. If I hand people an alcohol and we got everybody in here drunk, they wouldn't all turn into to whatever alcohol that they just drank. They wouldn't all come out the same going, oh, this is what it does when it gets in our system. Like, no one does that. They don't turn into robots. They just stop thinking clearly and it begins to dull their senses. When the demonic is involved, it said that it became, they became under its influence. And someone, someone started asking, and they're like, well, how does, how does Satan influence me? How does he put thoughts in my head? And um, how do I get rid of those thoughts? And there's a series of questions, but I want to get into a couple of Bible stories to look at these questions. I think they will make it clear. Um, Kenneth Hagin, sorry, I might blank on his name. Said, so with the devil 
tries to use our flesh to gain access to you. Doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. The devil always works through your flesh and your because uh, your body isn't redeemed and your physical senses contact this world where Satan is the God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Um, when, when God speaks to you, it's normally not like this. Hey! <laughs> that worked way better than it was supposed to. All right. It's normally not a booming voice that shakes you out of your seat. You normally don't hear it and go, ah, oh Lord. Like that's not normally the way that God speaks. Normally, it's a soft impression. And a lot of times you'll have a thought come to you, especially after you've prayed, that doesn't make sense or does not is contrary to your own logic as God speaks to you. I remember years ago, uh, I am not an electrician. I don't, I guess I don't mind electric, I hate plumbing, but electrical, I'm all right. Most of it makes sense. You're like, you hook the wires together and things work. But when they don't work, then I'm annoyed and then I call my friend. But uh, in our house, we had a fan that stopped, the, stopped working. And so first I like changed the bulb and that didn't do anything. And I'm like, okay, then I'm messing with the fan because I just originally thought the light, no, nope, no, the fan's not working either. And it was on what's called a three-way, which means there's two switches in the same room for it. And I'm like messing with both of them and, and it's not wanting to work. So then I'm like getting into the fan and I go get an electrical tester and I'm like poking different things inside the fan trying to figure out where there's power, and I can't find power in the fan. So then I go over to the light switch, and I can't find power in light switch number A. I can't find light switch in power no, uh, switch number B. I go downstairs to check the breakers because that's, you know, a logical conclusion. And all the breakers are fine. I went through and, like, flipped every breaker and then flipped it back. And the fan isn't working. And I have, like, all these different things half apart. And I am so annoyed because this should be really simple. And I, I cannot figure this thing out. I'm, so I'm like, that's it. I'm going to have to call the landings after work. And so I'm praying, and I'm annoyed, and I'm driving to work. And as I'm like halfway to work, I feel like God's like, just this, this came out of nowhere. Check the GFI in the garage. Okay, now, that does not make sense because my electrical panel is over there. And from the electrical panel, you come over here to switch A, the fan, switch B. Then you have to go to that side of the house to get to the garage. But this just bubbles up inside. This, I, this, this thought comes to me out of nowhere. That is not a thought that I would just come up with. But you get home, you go, click. Walk inside. Oh, look, it works. You're like, Sometimes God speaking doesn't look like this boom. And a lot of times when Satan's speaking or when the demonic is speaking, we don't see something red with horns and a pitchfork and so we're like, no devil. But he speaks to your mind. He speaks in pictures and someone's like, can he make me want things? 
Anybody can make you want things. What do you think advertising industry does? They, they spend billions to make you want things. If I just start talking about desserts, half of your mouth will start watering. Like it doesn't take that much to even produce a physical response in your body. We are very easy to stir up desire. But um, when, when Satan shows pictures, and, and here, Luke chapter 4, verse 5, let me just show you a, in the Bible, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And it says this, in a moment's time, so the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. Now, if he showed him all of the kingdoms in the world in a moment's time, he did not pick him up and fly him around. If he did, it would, be, it would have been like, in an hour and a half, they saw all the kingdoms of the world as they flew really fast. Like, in a moment's time, he showed him. So how did he show him? He showed him an image. And, and I began to kind of looking at this idea, going, okay, so like an advertising industry, Satan will try to awaken the desires. Now, if you go through your Bible over and over again, it'll tell you that there's desires of our flesh that need to be crucified. There's desires of our flesh that need to be put to death. There are desires of our flesh that lead to sin. Satan will try to advertise for the desires of your flesh. And any spot that you give him room, there's more for him to, to advertise and to, to bring up. But that doesn't force you to do, it brings him up. If you look in Genesis chapter 3, you, you look at the first temptation. Eve is in the garden. They've been told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The first thing that Satan does, he shows up and says, did God actually say? He begins to challenge God's word. Then he begins to challenge God's integrity. You're, you're not going to surely die. You will be like God. God doesn't want the best for you. God's holding out on you. Like God gave him everything. But he, he goes through and he begins this. And then in verse six, when the woman saw, she saw, she desired, she took. And I looked at this and go, Satan did not grab her, grab her arm and go, take from the tree and like pull it down and then like shove it in her mouth. <laughs> no, but sometimes that's like how we picture it or how we verbalize it. And people are like, well, the devil made me do it. Like he grabbed them and was like, you can't resist. Like weird movie. Like, no. But he just goes, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Doesn't it look good? Ooh, I bet if you had this. Satan does it all the time. Oh, don't they look good? Don't they look good? Wouldn't your life be better if you were with them? You deserve better. You, you should just leave your spouse. Oh, no one will know if you just fudge those numbers. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to really have consequences. It's just a little lie. And he just goes through and he begins to just pitch just little things. Well, you deserve it. It's okay. And he just begins to throw these little, little things of going, hey, can I just advertise for this? 
Except he doesn't even give the disclaimer at the end. Like when you watch those commercials and they're, they're all like, you need this pill, it's gonna fix all your problems. <gasps> Minor clarification, you may die, may have a heart attack, may have, and they started listing all this stuff. You're like, you do realize this was gonna get rid of a headache. And there is now like 65 things, including death. Like you're like, this is crazy. But, but Satan, he, he pitches these things. And you go, okay, well, show it to me. Show me, show me in the word. How does this, this look? And I love in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, there is a story where Peter is feeling awesome. And Peter had just gotten the answer to Jesus' question right just shortly before this. And Jesus said great things to Peter, about Peter. He called Peter the rock. And, and Peter is feeling pretty good. Then Jesus is talking a little bit later. And Jesus is talking about his own death and they didn't, he talked about the resurrection, but the disciples totally didn't get it. That's a whole other message. But in this, Peter hears Jesus talking about being turned over and being put to death. And he's like, this is awful. And he goes to Jesus and is like, no, you got to like stop. He rebukes Jesus. Like you really got to be feeling pretty good if you're going to rebuke Jesus. Like what? what? You're, you're following Jesus because you recognize and your credit came from recognizing that he was the Messiah. And now you're going to rebuke him. Okay. So Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, that's harsh. But then he goes, you are hindering me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So when he starts addressing Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. It wasn't Satan has jumped into you, Peter. He has taken over your body and he is flapping your tongue. Get behind me. He goes, you let Satan turn your focus onto the things of man and the actions that are coming out of your life, the words that are coming out of your mouth is because you have fixed your eyes where the devil was pointing. When he got your focus over here, you started going, but I thought there was going to be a kingdom where I was going to be important. And you started going, well, hey, where's my spot and how is this going to be affected? And so you took your eyes off of my plan and are trying to get it your way doing your thing. You got your eyes off the prize and Satan has distracted you. And, I, and I, so I started to kind of hold this. And so I want you to hold what happened to Peter. So over here we have, when Peter spoke out, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So we're going to like put that on the shelf and we're going to come back to it. A little bit later, in, so you have John 13, 2, and it's talking about Judas. It says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, uh, Simon's son to betray Jesus. Okay. So we have Peter over there. Now we have Judas and Satan put something in his heart. And so you're like, all right, what does it, that mean? Okay, so anyways, going to keep going. I'm going to come back to it. Luke 22, 3. Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. He entered Judas. What does that look like? I don't know, like, as a kid, you, like, you read that and you're like, enter Judas, he's got like a zipper in the back, like a zip, whoop, put him on like a suit. No, but like you almost picture it like a spiritual thing where he'd like jump in and be like, oh, I'm in Judas's skin, like, woo, 
I'm going to do whatever I want now. But like that's, that's the picture that I had for a long time as a kid. Not because someone taught it to me, but just because that's Satan entered Judas. That's just kind of what I pictured. But Satan filled his heart. He is now under the influence. Remember our, our early verse. He is under the influence of Satan. How is he under the influence of Satan? He let Satan fill his heart. What does that look like? Remember Peter? When he said, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So when Judas let the devil control where he looked, he became under the influence of of Satan, and Satan so filled his heart that it was ready to produce an action. In fact, when I, when I was reading this, people say all sorts of things about Judas. And they're like, he's so awful, this. I was reading it one time, and, and there's people will go through and say, hey, I think that he betrayed Jesus because he was mad at Jesus. And they go through and go, Jesus corrected him not too long before we see him betrayed. And maybe they're right. But when Judas sees Jesus condemned, he is filled with remorse and goes and hangs himself. And he tries to take back the money and tries to take back what he did. I don't know that he betrayed Jesus because he wanted to see Jesus betrayed. I think he may have betrayed Jesus because he was sick of waiting for Jesus to manifest the kingdom. And he thought, if I bring the conflict to a head, he will step up now and set the kingdom in place. And then I can be one of the 12 and I can be a person of influence and have brought about this end. And he tried to do everything his own way because it became about him, not about the kingdom of God, but about him being important. But he let Satan fill his heart. And after Satan filled his heart, his actions flowed out of his heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And as I begin to look at that, I begin to going, okay, well, what does this look like for us? And, and it, it's again, you see it in, in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias. And it says, Verse three, Ananias, why did you let Satan fill your heart? Why did you let him speak to you? Why did you entertain those thoughts? See, if, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but when we get into the word and we fill up on the truth, then lies don't fool us. But ignorant people are easy to fool people. If we aren't in the word, we are ignorant. If you don't know the truth, there are areas that you guys are, each of you are really smart. And there are different areas where each of you are not so smart. If I was to find an area where you know nothing, I could tell you something that was wrong and you wouldn't be able to tell. I, one time I pulled up, for, I did this with the youth and I was talking about it. I pulled up pictures of politicians from a different country and told them to try to match them. And they're like, uh... Because they don't know the truth. 
in that area, it wasn't very relevant to them. The problem is that the stuff that the Bible covers is relevant, and if we're ignorant of it, then it were easy for Satan to, to lie to. And I have watched him lie to people, and I have watched other people lie to people and put things in, and they're like, well, does the Bible really say that sex is just for inside of marriage? What if we just really love each other? Doesn't that make it okay? Does it have to be a man and a wife? And they go through this and they begin to go through and go and just to hear one lie after another. But if you don't know the truth, then we are easy to fool. But even with the demonic, we still have a choice. And sometimes people want to go, well, the devil made me do it and to remove personal responsibility. There is still, he works like an advertising industry to put thoughts and desires and to steer us through those thoughts and desires. But in Mark chapter five, two to 13, there's a story about a man who was so filled with demons in fact, he says that he had a legion of demons. A legion of demons? Now, granted, they're demons. They kind of lie a lot. So I don't know if he was truly filled with a legion. If a legion was like 6,000 soldiers. So when he says he was filled with a legion, that's a lot of demons. Now, how many there actually were? I don't know. They kind of work for the devil who's a liar and the father of lies. So we're just going to go with a lot, though. But when... So he is running around. They have chained him up and he just breaks the chain through demonic power. He runs around cutting himself, which is honestly a regular demonic activity. And if, if that's an area that you've struggled, uh, you need freedom. So, so common. If I talk to someone who says, hey, I've started cutting myself, they feel better in the moment that they're cutting, but almost everyone I have a conversation with who cuts ends up dealing with suicide and depression. And it comes shortly thereafter. Or it goes from I felt bad to now I want to end myself because when you open up a door for the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Sorry, that's a side note. That's for free. So um, when, when we, we see this, this demon-possessed man, he is so full of demons. And when he sees Jesus, the demons don't want to leave. So you know what the demons want to do? Hi. You know what the man does? Runs to Jesus' feet and falls down and worships him. And, and I look at that, and when he does, this is verse six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And then they cry out with a loud voice, what have you to do with us, Jesus, son of the most high? I implore you not to torment us. If it was up to the demons, they're not gonna run to the person they think might torment them. So even though there was demonic influence, there was still free will. And it's important that we remember that there is free will and that there will be temptation. But when we refuse to give the devil place, uh, he has so much less ground in our life. And there is so much, and there's no way I can cover everything, and I have to make sure I cover a couple things here. Um, you will never arrive above temptation. 
you may get new temptations, but you will never get to a spot where you're like, I am temptation invincible. I am free. Why? I have achieved maximum holiness. No, but there, there are, there's, I say that, people laugh, but it's really something that people think that they're heading towards. And they think that, hey, this is, you know, I am so awful because I was tempted by something bad. If it wasn't bad, we wouldn't call it a temptation. But Jesus was tempted by the devil. Jesus was tempted yet without sin. If he was tempted yet without sin, you can be tempted yet without sin. Being tempted isn't a sin. But what you do with it may be. And so we have to decide what we're going to do. And there, there's, there's so much, there's so much here. Um, we want to, ah, I have limited amount of time. All right. In your body, I'm going I'm to quote uh, Hagen again, and then we'll move on quick. It says, he was talking about people going, well, can I have a demon? How can I have a demon if I'm, if I'm the Lord's? If I, am, uh, if I am a new creation, if, I am, if my, Holy, my spirit is saved, you say, well, hey, you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is saved, but you live in a body, and you have a mind. If you moved into a house full of termites, does that mean you have termites in you? No, they just have termites in the body where you're living. If there is demonic influence in your body, that is the place where you live as long as you are on earth. That is not the real you. But demons, can, they can cause influence in thought. They can cause issues in body. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, uh, the Bible calls this oppression. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So there is some temptations that come from the devil. There is some sickness that comes from the devil. In Luke 13, Jesus is, is there, and there is a woman who's been bent over for 18 years. And Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham, someone who is part of the covenant, someone who has the promise. And he says, shouldn't she be loosed from the bond? And he healed her by casting out a spirit of infirmity. Now, does that mean that every sickness is demonic? No. Not every one of your desires is demonic. Not every one of your wrong desires came from the devil. We can have plenty of them on our own. But Satan will use the desires of our flesh and he will try to advertise and try to promote such sin. In the areas of oppression come fear, come depression. Uh, there are some anxiety and worry. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So we have an enemy. And this, this enemy is against you. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And it's important to recognize it so that God does not get blamed for it. Well, then what do we do with this information? We are supposed to resist the devil. And this comes up over and over and over and over. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says that your enemy, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Over and over. And, and we are told to fix our mind on God. We're told not to give place to the devil. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it talks about unforgiveness. and says that, in your anger, do not sin, nor give place to, do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. There is, when, when we operate in sin and we choose to sin, we choose to ignore God's direction, we are opening up a door for the devil to operate in our life. We can give him a stronghold in our life. And, and much of this happens in the battlefield of the mind. But when we give him permission in our life, it can also play out in our bodies. Like, and that's, that's simple, that your, even, in, even naturally, your thoughts affect your body. If I talk about cookies, your mouth is probably going to water. If, if your mind gets full of worry and anxiety, the chemicals that are released in your, in your body, the, those stress chemicals are very hard on your body. Um, but but there's, there's different issues. That, that woman who was bent over, what, what we would have called that, we'd have, we'd have said that she had a hunchback, whether she, it would have been scoliosis. There's a lot of different medical terms that they would have given it, but it was, it was from the demonic. A lot of times, if someone is, physical issue is from, demonic, from something demonic, if the issue is cured, a new problem will surface almost immediately. And they're like, hey, I finally got this under control and now it's my knee and my knee finally got under control and then it's my back. And I've prayed for people and watched the thing that we prayed for get healed and within 24 hours they have a different issue. That's normally a sign that it's a spirit of infirmity. It's not just a a physical ailment because you had a physical ailment because sometimes we can get physical ailments because of things that we've done. Like I did a rock climbing stu act of stupidity and fell 25 feet and shattered my heel. That wasn't the devil, that was me. Um, we can have injuries. We can have these different things that are the result of our eating, our, our doing, but there's, there's some of it that is the attacks of the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy but this is the good news. Jesus told us to resist the devil and he gave us authority to cast out evil spirits. And you, you see this in Matthew 10, verse 1, Mark 6, verse 7, Luke 9, verse 1, Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 15. Um, we're seated with him in Ephesians 1, or in Ephesians 1, 20, he talks about where he's seated above every enemy, above every principality and power. And then Ephesians 2, 6 says that he raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places. I wanted to, to give you a few verses because I want you to understand that you have been given authority. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will cast out demons. It doesn't say these signs will follow pastors after their fifth year of ministry. <laughs> these signs 
will follow those who believe. These signs will follow you if you're a believer. But you will never have a demon run if you don't resist. You will not see them cast out if you don't cast them out. I, as I talked about this, I'm like, I can go through this and then I got a really great altar call and we could just close. But I was like, that would be a miss because as I talk about the fact that there, there, is, there is demonic oppression of the mind, there is demonic oppression that can happen in the body. I know that there are people in here, there are people watching online who are dealing with anxiety and fear. There are people that are dealing with depression. There are people who are like, you talk about uh, physical ailments and as soon as you get it fixed, it's all of a sudden it's somewhere else. There are people in the room with that. And there doesn't need to be. So we're going to do something fun. We're going to see people who want to be free, set free. So I am... I'm just going to do something. And this may make you feel awkward, but that's okay. It's up to you. You can ignore the opportunity and leave the exact same way that you came in. It's up to you. If there is an area of your life that you go, I think there may be some demonic oppression. So if you're dealing with fear and anxiety and worry, if you're dealing with depression, if you have a physical ailment that's moved around, or you say, you know what, I think there, there may be something demonic behind this oppression. Jesus was constantly, people would come to him with an issue and he would rebuke a spirit and they would be well. If you have any of those and would like to be free, raise your hand. Okay, there's a bunch of them. Okay, great. Now, these signs will follow who? All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but you're going to pray for them because it doesn't need to be the pastor. So if you wanted to be free, raise your hand. All right, if you aren't one of them and you are a believer, it's time to get in the game. So go walk up to them and you're going to put your hand on their shoulder, okay? Their shoulder, very specific, okay? So if you still want to be free and there's not someone laying their hand on your shoulder, raise your hand nice and high. If your hand, if your hand is in your lap, they may not see it. All right. All right. I want you to, to repeat after me. Say, God, I thank you that you've given me authority and that you love this child of yours. Spirit that's attacking them, I bind you. Fear, worry, anxiety, depression, affliction, I command you to leave now. In Jesus' name. Peace, fill them. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That wasn't so hard, was it? A lot of times we can think it takes this magical 
Like, no, he, he gave us authority to lay hands on them, to rebuke the evil spirit and to resist it and that it would flee from you in Jesus' name. Now, as I, as I get here, Acts 26 is a prayer that they would open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in God. As we talk about being under the influence, whose influence are you under? Is God guiding and directing your life? When I asked for believers to stand up and to lay hands on them, could you? If not, we can fix that. He goes through right here so that they can receive forgiveness and they can move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If you say, hey, I want to do that, we're going to pray a prayer. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? And just repeat after me. So I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid the price for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.